It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Brandon Williamson is not afraid of Coors Field. And is it safe to say that Nick Senzel has finally arrived? Well, we've got all that and more on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Brandon Williamson. Sorry, Locked On Reds. Welcome into the Locked On Reds show. I'm your host, Jeff Carr, alongside Steve Offenbaker, and we are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction into information for you. And thank you for making time out of your day to talk some Reds with us because we love talking Reds with you. We want you to uh, be encouraged, feel empowered to hit us up on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's or at S Offenbaker with two F's or jump on our YouTube channel and hit us up in the comments section with questions, comments, whatever you've got, because we love talking about this team. And this team is so fun to talk about right now. I, I I'm absolutely busting because we've got so much we want to get to today. Brandon Williamson's debut was phenomenal. Like one of the best debuts I can remember by a Reds pitcher. Then We've got to ask the question. We've been avoiding asking the question, but there is a question that we've got to ask about Nick Senzel. And coming up later, are the Reds ready to make another call up at the end of this week? I think they might be. Before we get into all of that, though, we are going to jump into this debut because Brandon Williamson was absolutely amazing. I mean, look, we were trying to temper your expectations and our, our expectations were tempered as well for Brandon Williamson's major league debut, but Brandon Williamson clearly heard us. And he said, hold my beer because he was amazing. You know, uh, we really tried to paint a picture to allow everybody to kind of keep their cool. And then Brandon Williamson went out and did a thing five and two thirds yeah. innings, one earned run. And that was off of a solo Homer that he allowed. Here is the big deal, Jeff, out of that whole line, out of all of his statistics for his major league debut. Here's the big deal. Six strikeouts, two walks. That's hmm. a pretty good strikeout to walk ratio. That's what he has to do to keep himself in the game and keep the Reds in the game. And he went out in Denver and got the job done. Yeah. And in fact, in those five and two thirds, really his pitch count was fine. I mean, I, I kind of wondered if David Bell shouldn't let him finish that inning. I think what they were seeing though, and, and, 
And really the guy that he got the second out of that inning on, it was a 3-0 count and dude did him a favor and hit a pop fly on the next pitch. But overall, just a phenomenal outing by him. I have no complaints. If David Bell and Derek Johnson thought that was the time to take him out, I'm not going to question it because the Reds ended up getting a win and Brandon Williamson comes out looking like a freaking superhero. And, and the key to this start for him, because we talked about he's got two different kinds of breaking balls, his curveball he can put wherever he wants, his slider he can usually put wherever he wants. It was a pitch you didn't like, Steve. Clearly, Brandon Williamson told me to just shut up because my one of keys for his success that I talked about yesterday was for him to stay away from the breaking pitches just because of how different the breaking pitches work in Denver. And and he had other ideas. And it turns out that his cutter was actually key in the success that he had against the Rockies lineup. Uh, the cutter for sure early. Uh, I was having a trouble getting a good grip. And my cutter uh, is the pitch when I don't necessarily feel the ball really well I can still throw effectively um <clears throat> like my first curveball was it was it just popped out and I was like okay like I know I can rely on my cover and we just we threw it a lot early threw it a couple times late uh threw the slider off it but it all kind of stemmed off the uh I started throwing it last year at the end of the year just because I was like why not you know try and try and find something and then uh spring training I threw it and then when I got in the season early, I was just kind of like, you know what, I, I don't feel like I'm me right now throwing a cutter. So I tried getting back to uh, throwing sliders for strikes, throwing all my off speed for strikes. And then like, once I find me, then I'll bring back the cutter. And two weeks ago, I felt like I was, I was pretty dialed in and I was like, okay, let's bring back the cutter. And that's when I started really rolling. This is the second major league debut that a Cincinnati Reds player has impressed me because of their mentality. And, and, and yes, the results were awesome. He pitched amazing. The, the line was phenomenal for Brandon Williamson. But that mentality of, yeah, I'm going to bring back this pitch that I kind of messed around with at the end of last year. Don't really throw a whole lot. But I knew that Coors Field is different. And I knew that I couldn't quite go with my stuff. Like, I feel like if if... if my mindset, if I were making a major league debut, I'd be like, you know what? The curveball, the slider, that's what got me here. I'm throwing that thing until I can't throw it no more. And he was like, nah, I got a different plan. And that different plan worked to perfection. You know, unlike we what we saw in the Levi Stout debut, you know, Brendan Williamson came out and had some real success in his major league debut. I think that it is key in moving forward because this is not going to be a one and done appearance for Brendan Williamson. The Reds rotation is in such a state that he's going to have to stay in this rotation. And we're going to get into that a little bit later in the show, Jeff, but you know, I'm really excited about what he laid down as his beginning foundation. What he did in this first start is just something that is good. It's something that he can build upon, and it's something that he can use to springboard into a successful rookie season here in 2023. And, you know, we we tried to keep things calm and tamped down because we didn't want people to freak out if he had a bad start. And I recognize that also means we shouldn't overplay what he did. But the fact that he did it in Denver – 
makes me a little bit more excited than I would be if this had taken place in Milwaukee or at home at Great American Ballpark. Uh, it gives me a little bit more uh, encouragement that he was able to put this together on the road in Colorado. 100%. And I find it intriguing because one of the reasons that we wanted to tamper expectations is because his numbers in AAA weren't phenomenal. I mean, we talked about the walks ad nauseum. He had a lot of problems with that. And don't get me wrong, that probably could still crop up. He's a rookie. He's trying to figure some things out. But well, it will. Not, not probably. It will, at times, happen. Yeah. Exactly. And as far as the guy goes, like, I mean, he's the main piece in that trade. Jesse Winker, a Eugenio Suarez gets sent to Seattle. He was the main piece in the deal. And there was a reason for it. The Reds saw the talent. And while the numbers may have kind of had us all worried a little bit, David Bell never wavered on the talent that they saw. And he talked about that after last night's win. You know, with the guys that are, are, are meant to be here, um, and you know, have a chance to stay here for a long time. I do think in some ways you can be even more comfortable at this level. And, you know, obviously Brandon's, uh, you know, he's got a long way to go and he's going to keep getting better. And, um, but he just was comfortable, you know, kind of like Matt yesterday, they settled right into the team. They didn't make a big deal out of it. They went out and, uh, did everything they could to help us win. So, um, but, um, he's gotta be thrilled. I haven't spent much time with him yet, but, um, it, it's exciting. The team was thrilled for him, and uh, you know, it's, it was a great challenge tonight. He, he got us a win. He looks the part. Didn't make a big deal about it, and I like how David Bell talked about both Matt McClain and Brandon Williamson together, saying they just kind of showed up and 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 did what they do. And I, and I think that's the key. If you let the pressure get to you and if you try to, to wrap your head around this big moment and, you know, your parents are there and your family is there and this is the dream come true stuff. If you buy into all that, it really has the, the propensity to knock you off your game. Yeah. And, and it seems to me that both of these dudes came to this team knowing that they had a job to do. And while it was a dream come true, it was them reaching, you know, their goal. They realized that by reaching that goal, they've only just begun and they didn't, they didn't let it get to them. And in the big moment, I'm listen, I'm, I'm super happy because it, this could have gone a whole different direction with both of these guys. And we would be having a whole different conversation right now. We would be uh, ready to picket Nick Carl's offices right now. <laughs> if these things had gone badly, but they didn't Matt McLean had himself another game today where he picks up an RBI and did some things and looked the part. I think that's the key, Jeff, you, you've said it now two days in a row that they looked the part and both of them look like they belong. 100%. And I, I'm just, I'm on a high right now, Steve, with, with these two days and Matt McClain being called up and Brandon Williamson being called up and the way that they've debuted has just, I'm on a high. And, and I feel like we're going to talk about what Williamson could mean to this rotation coming up here in a minute, because obviously right now that's just a land of opportunity with a lot of injuries and trying to figure out what the fourth and the fifth spot look like anyway. But overall, I really think he was given an opportunity to show who he was in the most difficult of situations pitching in Denver. And he delivered, I, I just simply put, he was amazing. 
Well, listen, he wasn't the only guy out in Denver that's had some amazing games. There were a few heroes in the Reds win last night, but one of them stands above the rest. I think it's finally time to start asking a question about a certain Reds player, and we're going to ask it coming up next. But before we get to that, I want to talk to you about one of the sponsors of today's podcast. So Rare. So Rare is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 Major League Baseball teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience from collecting to buying and selling and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. So rare MLB game weeks happen twice weekly and span a three to four day cycle. At the end of the game weeks, so rare MLB managers who rank at or near the top of their leaderboards win a variety of rewards, which can include so rare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and even VIP experiences like meeting Major League Baseball stars. Prices may vary depending on the competition. Head to SoRare.com slash locked on. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E dot com slash locked on to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash locked on to start playing today. New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom, cash back. Even buying around can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. In sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Did I mention there are no fees, period? This one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. The Reds and the Rockies get going one more time to decide who is going to win this series. That is today at 3.10 p.m. Eastern Time. Graham Ashcraft is on the mound against Austin Gomber for Colorado. You can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search the word Reds. Thanks, as always, for making Locked on Red your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. Can Graham Ashcraft secure that series win? It's going to be a lot of series wins in a row if he does. We're going to be talking about that on tomorrow's Locked on Reds. But Jeff, there's still a lot of ground to cover on today's Locked on Reds. Uh, We've spent a couple days now talking about debuts and rookies, but there's a dude who at one time came with just as much promise as the guys we've been talking about the last few days and through a series of unfortunate events, through some mishandling on his own, some mishandling by the team, he never quite fulfilled that promise until all of the sudden it looks like he might be. Yeah, it kind of feels like Nick Senzel has seen all these guys that are coming up, these guys that are about to make it to the majors, and say, you know what, I'd rather figure this whole thing out. And I think he, we might be getting to the point where he is. I mean, look, Senzel had a go-ahead two-run homer in the seventh inning, which put the Reds ahead, a lead they would never relinquish. And it's just been what Nick Senzel has done this year. He's come up big in big situations, which – I mean, we have to ask it. We've been we've been skirting around this. I've been dancing around this, saying I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Well, I'm going to say it today. Has Nick Senzel arrived? 
Yes, Nick Senzel has arrived. I think it's no coincidence that this offensive production has been coupled with his return to the infield, his return to his natural position. I think he's comfortable. I think he's happy. I think he's seeing the ball well, and he's playing great baseball. I think that he's got enough time and experience behind him to know what works for him and what doesn't. I think he worked hard in the offseason coming back from that foot surgery to get ready to play baseball, and I think we're finally seeing all the pieces of the puzzle come together for Nick Sensel. Listen, Jeff, in his last 18 games, let's talk about a slash line. Slash line in the last 18 games for Nick Senzel, 348, 420, 629 with four home runs and 15 RBIs. That 629 is slugging, by the way, not OPS. That's not on-base plus slugging. That's just his slugging. I mean, he's absolutely phenomenal right now, and I haven't gone back and looked but I'm pretty sure that's the best stretch of his career so far. And it's not like it's a fluke. I, I really think what we're seeing from Nixon Zell is kind of what he can be moving forward. I think he could probably hit around, you know, 280, 290, something like that. Get on base at a decent amount. He's going to hit for power here and there. I don't think that he's going to always go for it. I mean, he's got four home runs in 18 games. That's not necessarily saying he's going to break any home run records there, but still great power when you need it. And the key for me, and the reason that I said, you know, he's coming up big in big situations with runners in scoring position, get this, Steve, these numbers are video game. He's hitting 458. He's getting on base at a 552 clip, i.e. 55% of the time with runners in scoring position. And he's slugging 667. He has 11 hits, five walks, and only three strikeouts with runners in scoring position. 14 RBIs, too, for those who love the RBI statistic. I just, I, I, I look at that and I, I get it. It's circumstantial, situational, 24 at bats with runners in scoring position, but you got to produce, and that's what he's doing. Yeah, I think when you couple that with how he's performing in clutch situations, so all of the Tony Perez guys out there should be ready to induct Nick Senzel into the Hall of Fame, right? I mean, <laughs> is that where we're at with this? But the, those last 18 games, those numbers are what really jump out at me, Jeff, because that is, that's while it's not a huge sample size, it's a little bit of a sample size. That's over three weeks of play yeah. that he's hitting 348, 420, 469. That's a big deal. Now, here's the question. What does this mean for Nick Senzel and for the Reds as – we are kind of starting to see the youth movement arrive. Matt McClain's up. I don't think it's going to be a whole lot longer before we see one of CES or Ellie De La Cruz. And suddenly the infield's getting a little bit crowded, especially when you factor in Spencer Steer. So what does that mean? Does Nick Senzel play well enough to, to grab a hold of third base and stay there? Does he go back to super utility? Do we see him in center field? Uh, It's a good problem to have, I guess, for the Reds, but I don't I don't want the Reds to do anything to disrupt the progress that Nick Senzel has made this year. Well, and 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 it was funny because when we were doing prep for today's show, I was thinking I'm like, let's go back and grab a clip of us saying that we're done with Nick Senzel. Do you know how many times we that there's too many times. Way never. too many times that we've said one that. time. Nope. <laughs> I've never said that. Okay, now, well, you, you wanted you to have. trade Nick Senzel. You wanted to trade Jonathan India. You tried to trade. Oh, come on, now I didn't say that. I, I said look, we, we explored what could happen. No, the point of us is like we weren't expecting anything from Nick Senzel this season. We were just like, you know what? Be be something for this team. 
And now he is performing so well at third base that, okay, the first and foremost thought on my mind, man, oh man, did the Reds get this wrong by ever moving him off of that spot. And who knows? He might have still struggled. He might have still had injury issues had they started him at third base. But think of what could have happened. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know how much different this team would have been. I, and you probably talk about a Eugenio Suarez would have had to figure somewhere else. You know, some, maybe he's still stuck at shortstop. I don't know. That was, that was not good there right before they traded him. But I really think the Reds got that wrong by moving him off of his natural position. And yeah, he's athletic, but does that necessarily mean he's going to be a, a good center fielder? No. And I think what we have seen from him at third base makes me wonder because my default plan in my mind is that they were going to call up McLean. They were going to call up Ellie De La Cruz and maybe that's your middle infield. And maybe that's still what they're going to do here with this, but then CES has to play first base. And then you have to have Spencer steers, the super utility guy. You got to make sure he can play some corner outfield. Cause that's where you're going to get him at bats at this point. Like I, I just, I think about this, like, if Nixon Zell continues this tear and there's so many people that still continue to write him off, even as he is succeeding at this moment, you cannot ignore him. You cannot just boot him back into the super utility role. I think you got to leave him where he is. Do you think Nixon Zell is kind of sitting back thinking, wow, it must be nice to just get called up when the numbers say that you're ready. Uh, <laughs> let's not forget that the Reds made him wait basically an entire half season plus a month from the time the numbers said he was ready <sighs> before they finally brought him up to the major leagues. The so, last you know, bastion of be service little, time manipulation. Correct. He's the, he's probably, maybe they learned their lesson. That's where I was yeah. going with that. Maybe that Nick Senzel became a cautionary tale for how they were going to uh, address the rest of these prospects. I and know. I hope, I hope that they truly have learned their lesson and they're just going to bring guys up when they're ready because you know what CES is, probably pretty much ready. Ellie De La Cruz is right on the cusp of ready. Uh, probably you could call him ready now. Maybe he needs another week or two, but uh, those guys look like they're ready or they're not, there's not a whole lot else for them to learn at AAA. So I'm kind of excited to see how this plays out because one, one of Senzel or steer is going to have to become the super utility. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McLean are going to be on the infield. I think Jonathan India is going to suddenly find himself playing some designated hitter along the way to make space. And it's all that being said, what a great lineup it's going to be on the field. I can't wait. We, we have a great problem because Senzel has really started to blossom here. He's really starting to be, you know, he's 27 years old. He's kind of in that late bloomer territory. I love to see what he is doing for the Reds right now. Do you know what, Steve? Let's bring it back to the pitching staff because the current probable starting rotation for the Yankees series is all TBD. You know, that guy that's got the really unexplainable ERA. Uh, we'll tell you why. What? Oh, oh, <clears throat> excuse me. We'll tell you why that means another call-up is likely to happen coming up next you know, the sad thing is i wrote that tease uh, before we get into that though i want to tell you about um the most comfortable pair of shorts i have ever worn and those are bird dogs seriously i i'm a shorts guy and, and finding the right pair of shorts can be a crapshoot usually the most comfortable pair isn't necessarily the ones that you actually want to wear golfing or to some kind of event 
I would far rather be wearing basketball shorts than I would some sort of khakis or whatever have you. But, you know, sometimes you just got to wear those certain kind of things, but not with bird dogs. Bird dogs give you the ultimate comfort. When I'm talking about like the moment that I first put these on, they, they were the most comfortable pair of shorts I have ever worn, but they look like the kind of shorts that you actually wear out on a date. I mean, bird dogs gives you the feeling of lounge shorts, but gives you the look of something a little bit more formal. You've got to try these bird dogs. They're so light and soft that you almost feel like there's nothing there. Seriously. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB and enter the promo code locked on MLB to get a free custom bird dogs, Yeti style tumbler with every order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB for the most comfortable pair of shorts you will ever own. Thanks as always for checking out Locked On Reds. You know, the Reds and Rockies get going at 3.10 p.m. Eastern time today in Denver, and the Reds have a chance to win their third series in a row. Yeah, I said that right. Third series in a row. You can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Reds. Also, make sure you're following us on YouTube and make sure you're following us on your favorite podcasting app. You can follow us in between episodes too on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's. You can follow Steve at S Offenbaker with two F's and you can follow the show at locked on Reds. Um, Steve looking at looking ahead this weekend. Red's got the Yankees coming to town. There is so much momentum right now with a couple of call-ups who knows? Maybe Graham Ashcraft can get it done today. Maybe the Reds can get that series dub as they head back home. Is it time to call up another stud pitching prospect? I think that it is. Listen, here's how it shakes out as we look at it right now. Uh, we're recording this late on Tuesday night. Uh, the Reds are going to try to win that third series in a row with Graham Ashcraft on the mound. They're off on Thursday, and then they head back to Great American Ballpark. And before we get into this pitching conversation, I just want to ask you really quick. Friday at Great American Ballpark, is it going to feel like a road game for the Reds? That's going to be interesting because Yankees fans travel well. And if you've ever met a Yankees fan at Great American, all they ever say is, holy crap, it's cheap to come to a ball game here. <laughs> and that's uh, that's really true. I mean, compared to the prices at Yankee Stadium, uh, I think it might. Now, I don't think they're going to be as rabid as Cubs fans, but it might feel like a road game to the Reds. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. Maybe um, if anybody from Bally Sports is listening, let's get Chris Welsh on the broadcast for this Yankee series just so it's a true, <laughs> true road game experience. Let's, yeah. let's have Chris in town. Let's just go all in on being the road team against the Yankees. But look, as we look at this rotation, the way it shakes out, Jeff, uh, the Reds have a decision to make for that Friday game. They're either going to have to choose to yet again go to a bullpen day, which I think is a horrible idea, or – they're going to have to call somebody up because the way that the pitching lines up right now, Hunter Green will go on Saturday on normal rest. Brandon Williamson will be in line to start on Sunday against the Yankees on normal rest. Uh, they have to fill one more rotation spot if they don't want to have a bullpen day. I think that's what they should do. I think it should be Andrew Abbott. Andrew Abbott has made four starts thus far down in triple a Jeff 20 innings pitched in those 20 innings in the, Triple A level, 29 strikeouts, seven walks. 
during his time. If you want to expand that out a little broader and, and, and really wrap your head around just what Andrew Abbott has done in calendar year 2023, let's look at his combined minor league statistics between Chattanooga and Louisville. He's pitched 35 and two-thirds innings, striking out 65 and walking 10. I think he's ready. Struck out 65 and 35 and two. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a guy that I think even before he was called up to triple A, there were those, including us, that were wondering, should he just skip triple A altogether? I mean, it's weird because he is not of the same mold. Luis Castillo was the last guy to do that. He's not of the same mold of Luis Castillo. He doesn't have a lot of like velocity on his pitches. He just has a lot of command and he's able to put the pitches where he wants to put them. It's not, he's not going to blow you away with, with the numbers on the radar gun or anything like that, but he has a good pitch mix and he's a smart pitcher. I think he absolutely should be called up. And, and, and part of it again is necessity because I, a, a bullpen day is just, I mean, that's the wrong decision. Bad idea. Bad it's a idea. bad idea. You've done it too much. And, and I think that if you want to say, okay, let's do a bullpen day, I think you got to do it like once every two weeks, maybe once every 10 days at the least. They've done it twice in the last week. They, they cannot continue to live by this idea that they can just have a bullpen day when they don't like the idea of calling up a dude. And Andrew Abbott looks every bit the part And I I feel like if he gets up here, it won't be too big for him. It won't be a situation where he's not going to be able to play. Plus, he's a fastball changeup guy. He could play well at Coors. He doesn't have to throw a curve. He doesn't have to throw a slide. He doesn't have to rely on the secondary breaking stuff to get guys out. So I think that this would work. And he's not going to pitch in Coors. I just realized that. He's going to pitch in Great American. But, um... But so forget what I said about that course part, but still he has the repertoire to pitch well, even against the Yankees lineup that boasts one of the best hitters in the game. So let me ask you this. Do you know off the top of your head if Andrew Abbott is already on the 40 man roster? He is not. He is not. So the Reds are going to have to make a move to get him on the 40-man roster and free up a spot on the 26-man roster. I think they can do both things by making one move, Jeff. I think the odd man out, the guy that's going to go, is uh, Silvino Brancho. I think that you can designate him for assignment. I think that he will clear waivers. The Reds aren't going to be really all that worried about losing this guy. Uh, even if somebody did take a flyer on and try to claim him off of waivers, either way, that one move will free up a spot on the active roster and the 40 man roster to activate Andrew Abbott. And I think it's a pretty painless move uh, in order to get Andrew Abbott up here. And I think there's a reason that you have an easy move like Bracho, or you could even also look at Alan Businitz as well. Both of those guys were called up whenever Nick Lodolo was put on the IL and they also uh, moved, I believe it was, um, at the time, they moved somebody to the 60-day IL, so another Vado, spot opened up. They moved, they moved Joey Votto to the 60-day. Well, that was when they called up Matt McClain. There was some, I think, I forget who it was. But anyway, there were, there were some moves that were made, and those two guys were called up because they knew that they didn't have another starter ready just yet that they wanted to call up at that time, and they weren't going to need him until Friday anyway. But with that, that move is going to be super easy. Look, Silvino Bracco, Bracho is not the kind of guy that I think is going to be here in the future. I don't necessarily think he pitched that well in AAA. So 
I don't, I don't think anybody is going to look at this and say, boy, they're really missing out on this and they're really stretching themselves. Andrew Abbott is a possibility for this rotation in the future. There's a lot of people that look at his scouting report and say, he's got good stuff. He's got good makeup. He's got good mechanics. Let's see what he's got. And I think that he could be the next call up. And you're really then talking about a rotation that is far more intriguing because we talked about it on opening day, right? I mean, obviously the big three green Lodolo Ashcraft is awesome, but four and five of Weaver and Sessa or Overton and Weaver or Overton and Sessa or whatever permutation combination that, that you can make of that. The four and the five spot were a huge question mark and one that even if we found the answer to, it was only going to be for the short term. Now we're talking about a question mark that if we find the answer to it's long-term and I love that a lot more. Yeah. I think I like the idea of a rotation that goes Hunter green, Brandon Williamson, Graham Ashcraft, Andrew Abbott, and I miss somebody, but you, you see well, where I'm Nick going. Nick Little is on the IL. That's the other right. thing they got to figure out how to replace them. But yeah. So, you know, that's a, that's a lot better than how I felt when guys like Luis Sessa and Connor Overton were in this rotation. Uh, so for me, it, it gives us something to pay close attention to. It gives us something to be excited about. It, it lets us start to see a glimpse of what Nick Crawl has been selling for the last two seasons about this rebuild and the team that's going to be ready to compete in 2024. Uh, the future is beginning to arrive right now. And it's time to call up another stud pitching prospect. And his name is Andrew Abbott. Steve, before we get out of here, don't forget that you can catch every pitch of the Reds hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Reds, but that's going to wrap us up for this edition of Locked On Reds. Thanks as always for making us your first listen every day. Every dayers coming up on tomorrow's show. Can Graham Ashcraft secure another series dub for the Red Legs? Man, we are in exciting times right now. And as we continue, make sure that you're following us on your favorite podcasting app and on YouTube and click that bell to get notified when we've got new content for you, because as big call-ups are made, as big moves happen for this team and the future continues to be now, what can people expect from you and me, Steve? We're going to be dialed in on the transactions, the rumors. We're going to be locked in on all the information coming out of all levels of the minor leagues and the major leagues and bring all that information back right here to keep everyone locked on reds every single day. That podcast did nothing but fire me up even more. Amen. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.